0: One of the things that you need to understand is that whatever you think and whatever you feel isn't real. I'll say that again. Whatever you think and whatever you feel isn't real. Feelings can change at a drop of a dime. Me and Doug is having an amazing conversation. And Doug can say something and I'll go from like happy go lucky to angry. So whatever you think and feel isn't real. And like for me, that's where having that alter, I will say alter ego, but like that persona for the thoughts in my mind so that then I can have a
1: conversation to reason with. I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So, please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of The Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and today's guest is Martinez Evans. Martinez has run eight marathons since his doctor told him to lose weight or die in January of 2012. Since then, he's also coached hundreds of runners and has been featured in The New York Times, Men's Health, The Wall Street Journal, Runner's World. The New York Post, Lad Bible, and much more. Martinez is the founder and CEO of the Slow AF Running Club, a community of over 10,000 members worldwide. Today on the show, we discuss how being told to lose weight or die fueled his anger to transform his life, how he went from running 15 seconds on a treadmill to being able to run multiple marathons, why you can be both overweight and healthy, how using an alter ego helped Martinez destroy his self-doubt, how he overcame early challenges and kept going when things got tough, how sports and tragedy kept Martinez away from selling drugs as a kid, and so much more. So let's get this conversation going and welcome Martinez Evans to the Adversity Advantage Podcast. Martinez, welcome to the podcast. Doug, man, thank you for having me on. I'm excited to chat with you and dive into your incredible story. And I think a good place for us to start is take the audience back. I believe it's like 2012. You're in the doctor's office. He says some pretty harsh words to you. How did you um, use these harsh words to your advantage and transform what he said to you to turn some of that pain into purpose? Absolutely, man. So
0: listeners, Hear me through this microphone, through your speakers into your ears. Let's go back to 2012. 2012, I was working at Men's Warehouse, commissioned sales on my feet eight to 12 hours a day in hard bottom shoes. I developed hip pain, which then leads me to go to my doctor. I'm thinking I'm going to be at the doctor to talk about my hip. He had a whole nother thing for me. He said, Mr. Evans, I know why you're in pain. I said, okay, like, what's going on? Is it a previous football injury? Um, What is it? It's because you're fat. What? It's because you're fat. And, Mr. Evans, you got two options. You can either lose weight or die. Doug, I was still on this dude calling me fat. (laughs) Like, who are you, who, who are you to be calling me fat? Like, I don't even know you like that. So, we're going back and forth. He's like, you need to lose weight or you're going to die. You need to start walking. You got a stomach of a pregnant woman. And out of all of this stuff, I'm still on him calling me fat. So I'm like, you know what? Screw you and screw all of this. If I wanted to, I'll run a marathon. And he laughs. You run a marathon? That's the most stupidest thing I've ever heard in all of, all of my years of practice in medicine. He said, Mr. Evans, if you run a marathon or if you try to marathon and run a marathon, you will die. Who is this guy talking to? So, as much as I wanted to put hands on this doctor, I stormed out the doctor's office. And as I was driving home, I I drove past a running shoe store. I made an illegal lead term. I went inside the running shoe store and I said, I need running shoes and I need them now. And that was the start of my journey. I went home. I got on the treadmill and failed. Demon last 15 seconds stuck. And the thing that kept me going. So after I fail off the treadmill, there's people looking at me. I make a beeline out of there. And as I was going home and I reached for the doorknob, I had this tattoo on my right wrist that says no struggle, no progress. And as I was reaching out to the doorknob to turn the door, my sleeve pulled up and I can see that tattoo. And from that moment, I was like, okay, I know what I need to do.
1: Man, thanks for thanks for sharing that. And I'm sure it had to be very painful to hear those words from your doctor. Um, I got to ask, how long had you been going to this doctor? And do you think that if he had changed the way he spoke to you about this, it could have created a better conversation between you two?
0: So the, this was my first time even meeting this doctor. Um, so. I think we could have had a way better conversation than this adversarial type of thing of like, lose weight, you're going to die, all this other stuff, right? Because bad side matters suck, okay? And like I said, I wanted to put hands on this man, but I know I couldn't. And the Nesbex thing for me was to go out and prove him wrong.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's one thing if you had seen the doctor for like years and he's like, hey, listen, like I'm just being honest with you, like where you are with your weight and some of your health conditions, like you could potentially be exposed to certain health conditions if you don't change some some behavior, you know, change your lifestyle or whatever. But just calling you fat and saying those things to you and being very abrasive about it the first time you meet you, that's not going to set himself up to have a good relationship with you. Exactly.
0: Exactly. And I never went back to that. Like I end up going and finding another doctor and figuring out what was going on on my hip, but I never went back to him.
1: Good for you. And I know you've run multiple marathons since then, and you've now you're now helping inspire other people to to run and get started moving whatever whatever weight whatever level fit of fitness that they're at. But talk a bit about like the early stages of your journey with fitness, because you mentioned you got home, you went on the treadmill, you didn't last 15 seconds. And I know a lot of people in their journey, when they hit a stepping stone like that, it's easy to say, you know what, I'm just not going to do this. This is too hard. This is too much of a challenge. I'm never going to get there. How did you survive the first few months of your fitness journey?
0: Pure anger and rage got me to survive those first couple of weeks. So every day, like that was the thing that was on my mind. Like this doctor calling me fat and telling me if I ran a marathon, I'll die. That kept me going for the first month. I used to get up every day after, after me falling off the treadmill and going back out there. So, you know, 15 seconds one day, go back out there the next day. It's 30 seconds. All right, go back out there the next day. It's a minute. And I just kept going back over and over and over again. And I just celebrated those little wins. So I remember the first time, Doug, when I ran five minutes straight for the first time ever. That, to me, was almost like I've already ran the marathon. But it was something that just kept me going like, wow, I couldn't imagine running five minutes straight. And now I did it. And they went from five minutes straight to running a mile straight. And it's like, whoa, I can run a mile straight. And it went from a mile straight to now I'm running 5K. And it's like, what? So every step of the way, after I got past the anger part, was celebrating those little things. I think for a lot of us and a lot of people that start off with this stuff, we, we have that nagging voice in our head that's telling us telling us you're not good enough you suck you can't do this what you just did is not your best all these things that are constantly ringing in your head and one of the things that i found out during this whole process was that i needed to give that thing a persona so i named it otis so every time that otis had something negative to say to me I flip it back on them and say, you know what? I hear you, but that's not not useful right now. And I think for most people, if we're able to personify that and separate that voice in your head from you, then you can say, okay, this is this person or this is that persona. It's not me telling me these things.
1: So I want to continue on your your journey here in a second, but one of the things I wanted to ask was, is this the, was this like the first time you had tried to get started um, in fitness or, or in a healthy lifestyle, or had you tried things before?
0: My life as a big man has always been ups and downs with fitness, right? Um, I played football in high school and a uh, couple years collegiate. Um, I wouldn't even consider that a fitness journey, and here's why. Like my body was commoditized in order to play football. So instead of them being like, okay, like get active, move, yeah, go you, it's more about Evans. You're a little too light, man. You need to eat any and everything that's not boarded down to the floor. So that's not necessarily a healthy lifestyle or healthy living because. They're telling you, and coaches are telling you to do certain things for the benefit of them. Mm-hmm. Evans, you're under 300 pounds. We need you to be around 350, 360 by the start of the season. So we command you to eat and eat everything because we need you to get up to that
1: weight. And at the height of your your weight, you were what, like 360, 370 or something like that?
0: Yeah, man. So I say about 360. And the reason I say that is because all of the scales that I interacted with during that period of time stopped working around 350. So I'm just really guesstimating. I know it was over 350 and I'm hoping it was less than 400, but I don't necessarily have an exact number.
1: So going back to your running journey, so you were fueled by anger and rage from what the doctor said to you and I imagine just from some of the stuff you experienced during your childhood which we're going to talk about but also like the pain from playing football and gaining all this weight to play a sport that at the end of the day didn't end up paying your bills as an adult right um so what what was the when did you reach the point that you were you actually started to enjoy running and you were seeing some some benefits as far as your self-confidence your your self-esteem and stuff like that versus just using it as a way to deal with with anger and rage. Absolutely.
0: I know this day. I know this day clearly. It was the day I ran my first 5k. Um and this is a period of time, man, where I lined up at that at that race and I thought I was going to be the slowest person. I know I was the biggest person and I thought I was going to be the slowest person. I lined up like way in the back. I lined up behind the moms with the double strollers with the dogs attached to them. I thought, I thought moms with strollers with dogs attached to them was going to run fast. And then that gun went off. And I spent the first half of that race just passing people. And I'm like, dang, man, all these people on my way. And then it went from like all these people in my way, like, wait, I'm doing this. And when I crossed that finish line, I had just the biggest smile on my face and from that point on i was like oh i get it now i get it i had so much fun
1: doing this i want to do this more and what was the attitude of people like towards you during those races cuz i know um i know I me mean, personally like when i see somebody who's just getting started in their fitness journey they're running a 5k they're at the gym i'm like celebrating them I'm like oh that's awesome like good for you but i i've heard you talk about how people can be quite harsh to people like yourself when they st- like when you were starting out on your fitness journey, talk a bit about that,
0: yeah, man, like when you were running these races, the thing about running road races right is that it's competitive, so for a lot of people, it's get out of my way, I need to get to the finish line um, and there has been times where I've ran a race, and they've ran out of water, like I've ran races where I've ran and they've taken down the signs so I've gotten lost. Ran a race where they lost medals or like didn't have a medal for me after I finished, right? So you have these things and being the type of guy that I am, I'm going to speak up for myself and I'm going to fight for myself. And those leaders, runners, their excuse or their reasoning behind, oh, they ran out of water. Oh, that sucks for you. You know what you should do? You should lose weight and get faster. Oh, they ran out of medals. You know what you should do? You should lose weight and get faster. So you don't have to worry about this. Oh, you got lost. You know what you should do? You should lose weight and get faster. And for me, like the, the excuse can't be, oh, you just need to lose weight and get faster, especially if I paid my money to participate in this. So if I paid my money just like everybody else, I should get the same treatment. And for a lot of, like I said, elitist runners, they don't feel like. I belong
1: yeah that makes sense right like if you pay a fee to run a race you should be entitled to all the same stuff that everybody else gets and if you should be able to get some sort of medal for finishing the race or whatever they give out for people who finish the 5k just like everybody else now it's like obviously different if somebody finishes like first and they get a certain level trophy or whatever but as far as like actually getting what you deserve and pay for by entering the race and having access to water I mean it's like yeah it's that's, that's so silly that they wouldn't give you access to that stuff. Exactly. Continuing on the journey, you mentioned. So what? So you go to the doctor in 2012. How how long after going to the doctor was it that you ran this first 5K?
0: Um, first 5K, met the doctor in July, June or July, September, uh, June or July of 2012. I ran my first 5K. I want to say September to October,
1: that same year. Wow. Dang, man, you move quick. I'm proud of you. That's awesome. Thank you. My next question is talk about some of the the benefit, health benefits that came from running. Like, What did you see? I know you said that your focus wasn't necessarily on weight loss, but I know you have lost some weight along the way. And obviously, your self-confidence has improved. But what are some of the health benefits that you saw just as a byproduct of running? And then what were some of the maybe the, some of the hardships that you experienced being that when you got started running, you were, like you said, 360 pounds and um, I'm a trainer, and I've worked with clients who, who are around that weight, and they've had trouble with like their joints and stuff like that when we've gotten started moving. So, talk a bit about that, if you.
0: Yeah, man. So, um, let's just start about the benefits first. Like, I think some of the things that, when talking to doctors or just talking to people in general, they're like, "Oh, you should lose weight because you should do, because you're going to get, you're going to sleep better, or you're going to be able to move better, you, your physical fitness would be better, and things of that sort." And my thing to most people is that those things that they say um, that would benefit you by losing weight, I say the same is true for regular physical activity. So, like, if you're having regular physical activity, like, you're going to sleep better because you're active, right? Um, I think by just exercising more, you start to be a lot more health conscious. So just by the byproduct of, oh, I got to go run some amount of miles tomorrow you start rethinking about what you put in your body because if you eat junk and then go out there and try to run some miles you're not gonna perform in a way that you want or you're gonna have some GI distress so I think just by being physically active you start to be more health conscious about like what do you eat um I slept better I moved better my mood was better um I just remember just being a lot happier. Being physically active versus the times that I wasn't. Um, now, some of the cons, I wouldn't say cons, but like some of the things that you experience um, as a person of size getting started being physically active. The first thing that I found was like finding clothes that fit me. So I remember going to a big box store and Asking the guy, like, hey, like, what's the biggest size you got? And they're like, hey, we, we only have a 2X. And then they look at me and it's like, you can fit a 2X. And I'm like, nah, I'm a 3X type of guy. Like, I love to be in a 4X because that's where I feel comfortable. But like, I'm a 3X type of guy. And them giving me clothes, like, no, 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 you should try this on. Like, go go try this on. And me reluctantly being like, mm, I don't think this is going to work. And then going to fitness center, like, going to, in the fitting room. And put the stuff on and can't get the stuff back off. So I remember ripping a shirt off of me in this big box store because I couldn't get it off me. I'm like, this is 2X small there mug. So I think like that's the thing. Um I think another thing is like the the mental aspect of it. So for a lot of people, and even myself being a person of size, is that the world beat us down, man. Like there's so many people that's like, oh, you're a slob. Oh, you, you this. You know, a lot of people think fat people or just plus high people are just at home, you know, laying on the couch eating tubs of ice cream off their belly, and that's not necessarily the case. But then we then go into the gyms or wherever we go to and try to be physically active, and we have that thought in our head like, oh, they're looking at me. Oh, they're you know. I don't I don't feel comfortable here because somebody's gonna say something to me. And I think that's another thing is that for a lot of people, they feel like they have the right that since somebody's a person a size or a larger, that they're inexperienced with exercise. So I remember having a lot of people in the gym for like trying to coach me and try to te- teach me some things. And I'm like, yo, I play football. I know my way around weight room. I have a degree in exercise science. I know my way around the weight room. Like, I don't need your help. And for them, it was like, oh, I'm just trying to help you out, big boy. But I didn't need your help. I didn't ask for your help. So for a lot of people, when they're around people of size, like people just feel as if they can give them advice or unneeded advice that they didn't even want.
1: How do you think um, we can change – like the messaging around this topic because I think in many ways it can it's polarizing right There's there's one side that's like yeah you can just um be at any weight you want and always be healthy and then there's the other side that's like all right like you, like no you need to lose weight to be healthy you need to be at a certain weight and obviously I don't think either one are true um I'm all for obviously like w- what you said in your story and supporting somebody and making sure that you focus on like working out and moving your body and not necessarily like focusing on like the weight in itself, but I'm also for if somebody wants to lose weight, like we shouldn't demonize weight loss, right? So how do you think we can change the message to be more inclusive?
0: I think one of the things that we can do, and this is something that I I just wholeheartedly preach is that everybody should be physically active, full stop. Being There's so many benefits to being physically active, regardless of whether or not you're your, your goal is intentional weight loss or not, like there's so many benefits to being physically active. And like, that's my, my full stop message right there. Now, when it comes to, you know, people who want to lose weight intentionally and things of that sort, like I have, I have no problem with that. You know, people can go on their own specific journeys. Just know that I'm not the person to give you the advice for that. So there's people that's like, hey, I want to do what you want to do. I'm on this journey to lose weight. Like can you teach me how you ran and lost weight and I'm like, well, I'm not here to do that. what I'm here to give you is all of the tools to be physically active now whatever you do with that is your own prerogative like that's not what what I'm in because I'm not your trainer i'm not I'm not anybody that deals within your own uh within your your spirit influence. but like this is how I did it and this is how you can go and move forward and I think if we just took that message. I think that message can be a little bit more palatable, and get the people who who are on the couch and want to be physically active to be physically active, being versus being like, "Hey, you need to lose weight." Right. And I think that's the thing is that it, it's it's all a gateway because like you might get physically active and you're like, you know what, I I might want to go on this on this journey to lose weight, and that's okay. Like I have nothing against that. I think just overall, like. The less shame that we can provide within the fitness industry and the more joy that we can provide over shame, the more people that who are able and feel comfortable joining this industry, which means it's a benefit for everybody.
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree with you in that fitness is like the gateway, right? And I think if we focus on habits, I think a lot of other things that people want out of their health journey will naturally come. And i see this a lot where so many people they just focus on the scale and that's it and granted if their goal is to lose 50 pounds and that should be i mean obviously that should be important to them if that's their goal but that can't like that obviously there's a lot you can't control with the scale right like there's so much you can control on the fitness side of things you can control how much time you spend you know walking running in the gym whatever you can control what you put into your body and so I like how you, you talk about just like controlling what you can and, and focusing on the habits and getting moving. Absolutely. And this is the question I always like to put out there. Like who's healthier?
0: Somebody who's overweight, but they work out three to five times a week. Their blood panels are normal, um, but they're just overweight versus somebody who's considered quote unquote normal weight to a BMI, but they have an eating disorder. They binge and purge. You know, they they have this eating disorder that they're working with. So, like from outwardly, most people would like most people would say the person who ha- who's at the normal weight is the most healthy. But behind closed doors, this person got an eating disorder, and they're binging and purging versus somebody who's active, active three to five times a a week,
1: and their blood panels are normal. I was recently talking about that with a friend, where you know, there's there's people. Like you just you just mentioned that, you know, even though they're they're heavier in weight, their blood markers are better than somebody who doesn't work out, who doesn't necessarily eat well, who's skinny or thin, right? So it's like it, it all depends there's a variety of things that goes into health, right? It's not just like the way you look. Exactly. And then I, I think those are other
0: things. I remember
1: um I just found out like the
0: liver cane dude, like he he just found out that he was on steroids. Yeah, exactly. So it's like what are we all doing this for then and i think doug we really need to think about or like the conversation needs to be like do you want a healthy a- aesthetic like what they consider like aesthetically looking healthy or do you want to be healthy right because those are two different things
1: yeah and a lot and a lot of that just isn't maintainable for a lot of people i mean it's like i mean i've trained for like physique competitions and i've quit i quit like the one i tried because like, man this is like another full-time job on top of (laughs) everything else I'm doing. I just saw my mental health just like going in the toilet and I was like, man, this isn't worth it for me. Like, and that was a big turning point where I was like, I want to make fitness part of my life, not my entire life to where I'm just completely putting the rest of my life on the side for the sake of just the way I look. Um, But enough about me. I want to talk about like the rest of of your journey. So you, you mentioned like going in the gym and that sometimes you would feel shamed, or sometimes people feel embarrassed, or people would come up to you and they would talk to you in a certain way. How did that start to shift for you? That mindset, like, how did you go from going in there and kind of being ashamed and and feeling kind of timid around other people in the gym? Like, what helped you like transform that mindset?
0: Um, I think it's a couple things. First things first, I I feel I realized what my problem was starting out. And for me, it was, I was going to the gym and I did not have a plan. I did not know what I was going to do. So then, um, just having that thought of like, all right, I'm here. Like i made the first step of all first steps. I'm here now, but I don't know what to do. So, um, one of the things that I started to do was like, look at various, um, like back then it was like blogs or like Reddit or things of that sort, just to really think about like what um uh, trainings programs I might want to do just to start off there. Um, and then from there, one of the things that um uh, that really helped me out was starting to, to create a community. So, you know, you go to a place so many times, people start to recognize you, and then people start to talk to you. And then it's from talking to you like, hey man, how you doing? to like, hey, you want to jump in this set? Or it's like, hey, um, you done with those those uh dumbbells or that or that weight bench and it's like, no, I got too many, I got three more sets. But if you want to hop in in between my sets and do yours, we can do that as well. So then the next thing you know, you start to build community and friendship and like camaraderie
1: at the gym. And from there, just all downhill, man. It's all downhill from there, man. And it's it's I love how you talked about the community aspect and and paying it forward and now like just starting to bring other people into your journey, um, before we talk about like how you got to the marathon, um, something that also came up as you were saying, some of this stuff is like so many people, they focus on like the end goal. They focus on like the result and they don't embrace the process when in in reality, like in order to get to that goal, you have to learn to, to love the process. Um, like how did you learn to, to really fall in love with the process despite, um, like having, in a way, I guess, so long to go as far as your fitness journey from where you started. We will get you back to this episode of the Adversity Advantage in just one second, but first wanted to give a quick shout out to Danette May and Earth Echo Foods. Danette was a past guest on the podcast and shared her incredible story and how it inspired her to create her products such as Cacao Bliss, which I have been using for quite some time now. Lately, I have been trying to use it as an alternative to coffee as I am trying to cut back. I can say I think it might be working. Using it can be as simple as adding it to a smoothie or mixing it with water or your favorite nut milk. Cacao Bliss starts with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. Then it's blended with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever have. Not only that, it is friendly to keto, gluten-free, paleo, vegan, and vegetarian diets. So go to EarthEchoFoods.com slash Doug Bobst. Again, it's EarthEchoFoods.com slash Doug Bobst to check it out and learn more about the amazing benefits of Cacao Bliss. And when you enter in the promo code Doug at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Now back to the show.
0: That is a very interesting question, man.
1: One of the ways
0: that I I feel like I fell in love with the process was I tied it to something else that I did every day in my life so for example for me it was brushing my teeth um i was like all right i need to go for a run cool i'm gonna go for a run first before i brush my teeth because i didn't me personally i hate that taste in my mouth of like first waking up and having a dragon breath. so i'm just like guy guy's like all right i'm gonna get up and that's the first thing i'm gonna do is like brush my teeth and for me i was like no nah. The first thing I'm going to do is run and then I'm going to brush my teeth. So that then gave me the motivation I needed to be like, all right, I can't, um, I can't back out on myself. So like, let me go do this thing. And then for me, I just kind of took the feelings out of it. Was, all right, I need to go run before I brush my teeth. And then like, that was the things I used to tell myself. I- I'll get to the bathroom. There was times I'd get to the bathroom. I had a toothbrush in my mouth like in my hand, like about to brush my teeth and be like, nope, I gotta go run first. So I started to um and then I, I found out there's a word for that. It's called habit stacking. So like you stack another habit with another habit and boom, like you get to go. And like that's one of the things I started to do. Um, another thing that I started to do, like I said, is started to have like some community around this. So for some reason i roped in one of my friends to start running with me as well and like we both hated it and we would just have conversations about like about how bad this run was and then we just started to rely on each other for you know the accountability of dang i can't back out because my friend is waiting on me and him as well as he came back out because I'm waiting on him as well. So the journey just doesn't happen overnight or over like over these periods of times. You definitely have to take those steps. And one of the things I just tell people is that motivation is the result of consistent, consistency. You get motivated because you're consistent versus the other way. Like you're not, you're not motivated and then
1: you get consistent. You have to be consistent first in order to be voted, yeah, I was just gonna ask you like what do you think got what do you think got you through more? was it motivation or discipline, but it seems like you've already answered that, and that discipline, discipline yeah, discipline created the motivation
0: discipline, and then um, after I started running races, I just continued to add more and more races on my calendar, which then gave me an excuse to continue to run. Versus, like, oh, I got this one marathon this year, or this one race I'm gonna run it, and then I'm done for the rest of the year. Well, you got, you know, two to three races or a race a month on your calendar. You can't, you can't, you 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 can't mess around. You gotta stay trained up. So, like, those are little tricks that help me um, stay active. Cause it's like, oh, I heard about this race, and then here's the other thing. When you start adding destination races to it. So now you got races that you look forward to. Like, oh, there's Chicago Marathon. This happens every October. I ain't never been to Chicago. I want to go to Chicago. Or like, oh, there's Hawaii Marathon. I've never been to Hawaii. But like, let me add that on the calendar. And that then gives me excuse to, hey, run a race in a place that I've never been. But also, rope my wife into, hey, this is going to be our vacation for the for this time. That's
1: awesome. Um, Have you always been somebody who's been like competitive um, in, in nature or was it something that you really picked up on as you got started into running? I know you mentioned you played football, but I didn't know if like you had always been just a competitive guy. I think it was always there. But
0: playing football gave me that start, that spark to. like Figure out how to ignite it when 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 you need
1: it to, but I think it's always been there. And not to sound cliche, but you know, a lot of times you'll hear people say, you know, run your own race, focus on you. Like, don't try to run somebody else's race. Um, and in the context of just running these races and also this, this journey, um, like what kept you focused on yourself and not paying attention to what the person next to you was doing or maybe somebody you followed online and what they were doing, like, how did you really hone in on like really paying attention to to your own journey? from the beginning
0: i've told myself that i'm not going to be a, i'm not going to be a winner so this is a conversation i had with myself from the beginning you're not going to win any races what? you're not going to win any races so if you're not going to win any races like what are you going to do in order to continue to run races and for me it became i'm going to have as much fun as I'm, I, I can possibly have I'm going to talk to a, 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 a ton of people and like that became that thing that for me, I already knew, well, if I'm not, I'm not running the race to win it, then there's, there's no, there's no competition for me out here. And there's no competition on me out here. I don't have to look to the next guy or girl or, or friends on social media and be like, oh, I need to run that race because I need to get compete with, against them because I'm I'm competing for a whole different thing. I'm in a whole nother sphere when it came to my mindset and mentally when it comes to running races that I didn't necessarily need. So I think for a lot of people, it's the same thing. You're not going to win any races. If you're not an elite athlete, something you did for for all your life, you're not going to win any races. So you don't need, there's no need to look to the next guy or next girl and be like, oh, I need to beat them. Because you already lost, you're not you're not getting any uh, prize money or any of the other stuff.
1: So you're doing it for the love, right? Yeah, you just got to be you got to be realistic with where you're at, right? And making sure that you're paying attention to your own fitness level, and then obviously focusing on getting a little bit better along the way. And and speaking of that, like, so how did you go from like you ran your first 5K like later on in 2012? What was the training process like? Um, from, from there to being able to run your first marathon?
0: So I ran a bunch of like 5Ks, 10Ks, and on, what was it, New Year's Day, January 1st, 2013, um, I first picked the race. I was like, okay, I'm gonna run a Detroit, Mex- uh, Detroit marathon because it's my hometown, um, so I'm gonna do that. And from there, I just started to do a lot of research of like, what does it mean to run a marathon? You know, what training plans were out there? Because there's a ton of different training plans out there. Um, and I think I spent like the first couple weeks of the year just trying to hone in and figure out well, what would work for me. So, like, okay, I got about 10 months. Like, what do I need to do in order to get there? And for me, it would start to look at various blogs, things of that sort. And what I found out was people were using other races as like training runs for this larger race. And for me, like that's something I've never heard of at that moment of, oh, you can run a half marathon or like you can train for a marathon and like throw a half marathon in there, you know, throw a couple of 5Ks in there and like now, all of that stuff counts as your your race like you you're training for your race so that that's what I did um I strategically set up different milestone races and um, to keep me in check for my training um so I can stay in shape for that mirror
1: amazing so um talk about your first marathon experience you mentioned you did it in Detroit your hometown what was your um, where was your mindset at? Where was were you were you excited? Were you nervous? And then like how did you um like how did you celebrate after you finished the race? Detroit Marathon, October 2013.
0: I was nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you, man. I was nervous. Um so I remember getting there, like my wife and I are both from Detroit. My also all my parents, her parents are there. And I remember telling them, like, oh, I'm here to run a marathon. It's like, oh, okay, well, how long is a marathon? 26.2 miles. And every time I say that, you can see individuals calculating the distance in their head, like, whoo, that's that's like from here to whatever city in town, the next town over. Like, you're gonna run all that? Yeah, I'm gonna do that. How far you ran so far? What's the longest you ran? 20 miles. Ooh. You never ran a whole 26? No. Ooh. I don't know how you're gonna do it. Um, so like talking to individuals, that kind of sold seeds, like sold a little seeds of doubt in me. So when I got to the finish line, I was a little nervous. Um, but when the gun go off, all of that stuff just kind of went away as the mouse continued to go on. And This race here, I got heckled by, um, one of the like volunteers. So this is individual, we call it the SAG wagon. So SAG stands for, uh, supporting gear. So this is usually the type of like van or bus that like help pick up people if they're like injured or, you know, give some of the the elite athletes water or things of that sort. So when I got to mile 19, um, this, this, this gentleman in the sag wagon started to help me. So it went from like, Hey, big man, you want to ride to the finish line? And I'm like, no, like, I'm all good. I'm straight. But then like mile after mile after mile, it went from like, Hey man, like just get in. Like, I'll take you, I'll take you to the finish line. And me being like, no. And during that point of time, I got so much going on. So, like, now my mind is playing tricks on me. So, my mind is like, yo, if you get in that van, all of this pain will go away. So, my, my mind is like, you need to get in that van. And then you got the guy who's driving the van that's like, hey, get in the van. But my heart is telling me, no, I got to finish this. And then I got to mile 25 and kind of blew up on the guy. Because I was like, hey, man, like, I, I'm less than a mile away. Like, why would you want me to get in this band? And him being like, I can't help that you fat and slow. It's like, what? I can't help you fat and slow. So even then, I'm like, huh. That fueled me to get to that finish line. So then I got to the finish line. You know, my wife and my mother was there. You know, we did all the other things, cried, take pictures, all this other stuff. And you know, we went to go get something to eat. I had what I like. To, what I like to have for every race is some carrot cake. So I had some carrot cake, and then um, I just sat in the I just sat in the ice bath in the bathtub at home. Fell asleep
1: <laughs> in the in the ice bath. Yes. <laughs> what? <laughs>
0: I fell asleep.
1: <laughs> when I woke up, the water was warm. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, at least it wasn't like a you weren't like a freezer. <laughs> Again, like that's amazing. It's so incredible that you finished that and that you were able to um, finish despite this this person who is um, disrespecting you and being cruel to you, like towards the end of of the race. And I, there's a there's a teachable moment here in that there's a lot of people in life when they're pursuing something they're chasing a goal they're chasing after a dream or whatever and there's they're struggling in a painful moment and it's they they're and then it's so easy to reach for something to take the pain away could be alcohol it could be drugs could be sex it could be whatever um like what advice do you have for somebody who's in a similar position that you were in when they're they're they've hit an obstacle um, while they're on the road to success that and they're tempted to, to take the easy way out. A pain is temporary. Um, but overall, in any
0: journey, it's going to be you versus your mind versus everybody else. And one of the things that you need to do, and one of the things that you need to understand, is that whatever you think and whatever you feel isn't real. I'll say that again. Whatever you think. And whatever you feel isn't real. Feelings can change at a, at a drop of a dime. Me and Doug is having an amazing conversation. And Doug can say something and I'll go from like happy go lucky to angry. So whatever you think and feel isn't real. And like for me, that's where having that alter, I say alter ego, but like that persona for the thoughts in my mind so that then I can have a conversation and reason with. Right. Because then I can say, come on, Otis, I got this. man. I got I got to keep going, because if not, you're just thinking it's yourself telling you these things. It's yourself telling you, oh, you need to quit. It's yourself telling you, oh, you need to reach for that vice. And if you got somebody else to talk to, or at least that persona that you can talk to, you can kind of reason with it. to say, I can't do it. I can't do it. Or, you know, one of the things is, you know. Uh, I'm going to stop running when I get to the next light pole. And then you get to the, light, the next light pole and say, all right, the next one. It's almost like with the trainers, like one more, one more, one more, one more. And they give you one more. And you're like, all right, one more, one more, one more, one more, one more. And it's like, man, you didn't tell me one more like five times ago. But like that 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 shows that we are stronger
1: than what we really think we are. Absolutely. it's It's so important. Um, that, that mindset shift, like you said, is just so important to being able to just say like, let's just get to the next thing. Let's just get to the next thing. And just one more, one more, keep going, keep going. And then what ends up happening is you, you build self-confidence and you're like, wow, I've gone so much further than I thought I could. I can do this. I'm going to keep going. What's another one? What's another one? And then that just starts to stack. You talk about habit stacking. You know, I call this like the small wind stacking, where you start s- stacking these small wins on top of each other and it ends up leading to something massive. Um, so what had ever ended up happening between you and that doctor after you finished this marathon did you end up like going back to him and like um, you
0: know, telling him that him
1: again you, again. telling him that you, no? i never seen that doctor ever again in my life, man. I mean, no, I didn't know if you went back there to just say, hey, I just told, I told you so.
0: Some days I wish I did, but other days is that you got to remember, like from the time I met him to the time I actually ran the marathon, like 18 months it went by. Like I met him in June. I didn't run the marathon until October the next year. Like he was kinda out of my thoughts, out of my lexicon, for lack of a better word. I had moved. Like so much happened in that year and a half that after I ran that marathon, like that doctor was like the least of my worries. At that point, it was more for me than for anybody else.
1: I've I've heard you talk about that you're uh, you're against diets because diets are just a temporary thing and I I agree with that as well that it has to be something that's sustainable. Talk about like what life what you were what your uh what, what types of foods you were eating before you started this running journey and then like what type of foods you like to incorporate into your uh quote unquote diet um today. It's
0: the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like it's I would say it's the same thing, but not. So you know, do I still eat carrot cake? Absolutely. Do I still eat cookies? Absolutely. I, I'm still going to enjoy that. But I think things have changed in the fact that when I'm going through a training cycle, I just understand, like, what foods really um, works out for me. Um, and I think, like, those are the things. So, like, for example, when I'm not training, like, dairy, like, I love milk. I love cheese. Like, those are, like, one of my things. Like, that's my jam. But I understand that milk and cheese is not where I want to be when I'm out training on a 15 mile run. Like, that's going to give me GI distress like nobody's business. So, I think for me, I still have the things that I had like before this journey. It just ebbs and flows in a different way. Like, am I eating cake every day? No. Am I eating cake every week? No. But, like, if I want cake, gonna have cake. Same thing with cookies, right? Um, I think that throughout this journey, it has gave me more education of how to use food for fuel. Um, and I say that because I have worked with nutritionists in the past, just to make sure that you know, as a larger individual, I'm getting all the calories I need to actually do the things I need to do. So like that's one of the things that people really don't take into consideration. Like, you know, a basal metabolic rate of an individual that's three hundred and sixty pounds can be what? Thirty eight hundred calories? Just that's just to survive, right? And you know, it might be a little off a couple hundred, but let's say let's just say just make it even thirty six hundred calories a day for somebody who's three hundred and sixty pounds. Like that's their basal mat- metabolic rate. Like That's just the amount of calories that person is going to burn just by breathing and laying in the bed, right? And one of the things that I, I started to understand, even with like this being 360 pounds and all this other stuff, when I started running, my calorie intake of where it needed to be and where I was actually was at was so much lower than, like so much lower. Like I remember getting to a nutritionist and they had me do a, um, I forgot what you call it, like the little Park You survey and like we run the numbers and I was like eating two thousands two thousand calories less than what I needed. Wow,
1: that's crazy. Well, it's it's good to hear that you have like self awareness around the importance of food and that you obviously still incorporate some of the foods that you actually like that aren't necessarily healthy um, throughout the course of your, your week or throughout the course of the month or whatever the case may be. Cause I think that's important too. I think it's important to be able to leave some, some room in there to be able to still enjoy the foods that you like. And you're not just becoming overly obsessed with what you eat. Um, from a, from a health perspective, like, are you, I would imagine you're still like going to the doctor, or a doctor to get like your labs done and making sure that like cholesterol, like, blood sugar and all that stuff is uh like healthy and stuff like that. Absolutely. I go
0: to the I go to the doctor three times a year, four times a year. Um, sometimes even a little bit more when I'm like deep in a marathon training cycle. Um, just to make sure that um my my numbers isn't off So like absolutely I'm still like I still look at my cholesterol, I still look at my A one C's, like I still look at all of those health factors, right? Um And I think that most people just think, well, you're big, so you don't think about those things. And I think it's the other way around, is that I go do these things so that if any markers are off, I can balance throughout this stuff, throughout this whole cycle. So, for example, training for a marathon, you're going to drink a lot of salt. Like, it's just what it is. is. Like, you're going to have a lot of electrolytes. You're going to have a lot of salt and sodium in your body. So like one of the things that I'm doing is making sure that my blood pressure is raising because of the um, higher rate of sodium that I might be ingesting on a 20 week marathon training plan in the middle of the summer.
1: That's good, man. Cause I, I would imagine that somebody who's listening to this and they're like, well, like, how does he know that he's like actually like healthy? And it goes back to like what we were saying before that, like, you know, you can have somebody who's um, like quote unquote, like, you know, heavier than the average person that works out and that gets their um, labs done and gets their health checked, that is healthier than somebody who's skinny, who doesn't work out, who doesn't, you know, have any awareness around what they're doing with their health. And again, it just goes back to like um, not judging a book by its cover, right? I think that's that's an important lesson here. Um, I want to go to your childhood for a second because I'm really inspired that you grew up in... um, uh, you had like a kind of a traumatic childhood. You grew up in a not so good area. I've heard you talk about. You live next door to a drug dealer. Um, talk about your childhood. Talk about like your 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 family dynamic, and then like what kept you from you know not falling into like drugs and stuff. Given that you're you know somebody that cared a lot about you as a drug dealer.
0: Yeah, man. So yeah, for the listeners out there, I grew up on the east side of Detroit, um, and before the age of two, ten, I already had two brothers pass. So I had a brother who actually died because he was in the drug game. And then I had a brother who um, died by suicide when I was like 10. So having those things happen to me throughout my life, um, I just had family members tell me that I'm end up just like my brothers, right? I'm end up dead, just like them. Dead before the age of 25. And yes, I stayed next to a crack house um, and I had to walk. Past that house every day to go to school. And there were times, you know, um, living in a single parent household where things got rough. For example, like it was just me and my mom, and like for a betterment of my life, living in that house, like our roof leak. So imagine, you know. Having Home Depot, Home Depot buckets all over the house whenever it rained or snowed because the roof leaked and we couldn't afford to replace the roof. So there were times where, you know, I went to this drug dealer and was like, hey, man, like, put me on. Like, I need this for my family. And him be like, no. Hey, I can't let this do this to you because like, I. For the love of your brothers, for the love of your mother, like I can't let you do this. But like, you're just not cut out for this. And me being angry at him, right? Um, but he'll be like, "What do you need it for? I need it for football cleats. All right, I'll get you football cleats." So even though that he didn't necessarily let me in the game, he gave me, provided me the resources, so I then can go out and make a better life for myself. Um. And I think one of the things that was very hard for me was when he died. So, being a drug dealer is not a <laughs> a, 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 a occupation that has a, a long lifespan, right? <laughs> um, but I remember um, him getting killed. Like, I was home alone. I heard some loud noises. I looked outside, and like people had ran by. Ran by the house. I went back you know, I went outside and I seen this lifeless body on the, like, in the front yard. So, growing up in Detroit, death and loss was just a part of life. Like, oh, you know, such and such died. Guess who got shot? Things of this sort. So, for me, like, I just thought it was normal. I thought it was just normal life. It wasn't until I got older that I can, like, look back and reflect on it and say, like, hey. I lived in a very defunctioned life, and I still made it out of there. But I think that the reasons one of the reasons I did make it out of there is because of all of the things that I experienced because I can look at something else in life, whether it's school, whether it's anything else, and be like, Shit, if I made it out of this, like what else can I do
1: so a lot of people grow up in adverse situations and tough environments and and they have a hard time escaping like the victim mindset and being like you know what like the world is against me my environment's against me and i think some of that is obviously can be warranted, given if they didn't control what was where they were as far as their environment right but um like how does like what's your advice to somebody so that they can like escape that mindset so that they can get the one thing they want in life, which is to create a new normal for themselves and be able to better themselves.
0: I wish I had one thing, but I'm going to tell them therapy, man. Uh, A lot of people don't mention it. A lot of people, you know, really don't talk about it. But being able to go to therapy and address some of these traumas has been um, something that has taken me leaps and bounds because, of course, I've had the same mentality as well you know, the victim mentality. And I think that being able to go and address these traumas, it's the best thing that you can do for yourself. I wish more people had therapy. I thought I wish therapy was more a part of the healthcare system that it is now.
1: How did you, um, I know you talked about like what motivated you, um, like a lot of the the bad situations that you were in as a kid, like motivated you to to not do that. But I imagine you still, it was still whole, not easy to not give in and be like, hey, like maybe I will go sell, you know, drugs for this for your buddy or whatever. Um, like how did you how did you begin to create like a new normal for yourself as a young kid? I think this is where sports came into play. So, um,
0: this is when I started to play football and, you know, I, I don't have kids, but like one of the things parents always say is that like kids need some type of extracurricular activity to get the hell out the streets. And for me, it was the same thing is that by playing football and by being at practices and like participating in that that sport kept me off the streets. It kept me out of situations that I probably would have been in uh, with other friends, people or whatever but just because i was at football practice or at a football game i wasn't there to experience it
1: yeah i mean i think um i think sports are so important right cuz they it gives you like a different outlet to turn to like during times of hardship kind of in the same way that it seems like fitness has um for you the the last thing i want to ask you is um i know that um i know that you were bullied a lot as a kid because of your weight in school um how did that impact you? And then also how did that, how did that become fuel for, um, for your success in your fitness journey now?
0: How did it become
1: fuel? Cause you asked a girl, I think you asked a girl out like publicly and she like humiliated you, right? And that would happen.
0: Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that story first. Well,
1: I'm trying to try not to, cause <laughs> I, I read it. I kind of, I mean, I've been in a similar situation where I've been publicly, you know, rejected by a girl. So I, uh, I kind of understand in a way it wasn't that it wasn't as harsh as what you went through, though. (laughs) So let's talk about that. So
0: I think I was in the first grade and a first grade assignment. You know, let's let's take you back there. So first grade, we had an assignment where we were to go up to the front of the class and do show and tell. this is what we care for. This is what we love. This is my little brother. I love him because of X, Y and Z. So everybody's going up there, you know, talking about their little brother, their dog, their pet, like whatever. I had other things in mind. I had this girl, the prettiest girl in the classroom in my eyes. And I wanted her to know and the world to know that her, she was the one for me. So I get up there and it's my turn. So I get up there. I stand up there. My feet is firmly planted. My head is held high. Shoulders are black. Uh, shoulders are back, and I get up there and I profess my love. I love her because she's the cutest, prettiest girl in the whole class. Class goes silent, and she go, "Ugh, you can't like me. Your titty's bigger than mine." The whole class erupt, start pointing, calling me titty boy." So, like, that's something that that stood with me because. We when you in Detroit, like Detroit is large and small at the same time, but like the kids that you went to elementary school with, some of those kids are the same kids you go to middle school with. And the kids you go to middle school with, some of those same kids are kids that go to high school with. So like there's people throughout that whole life that remember Martinez the titty boy. And that then became the thing that for me. I learned that being fat was a bad thing. I thought everybody had titties. I didn't know. I, I didn't know. Like, I thought all the boys had it. But it was just me, right? So um, I went on through life and like, yes, being bullied and things of that sort. And I remember talking to, um, I think it was my mom. I heard me like, you got to fight back. And her being like, you got to take the one who got the biggest mouth and you got to punch him in the face. And I remember like that ringing true in my head, like I got to punch him in the face. And then the bully, same thing, pushed me on the ground, kicked me. And I remember getting up and like punching him back. And for me, something clicked. And I went from like being this bully to being, you know, being, not being a bully, but being bullied. To somebody that's gonna fight back, so I went from that to like fighting a lot because it's like, oh, you're not going to just say anything to me, you're not gonna bully me, and then eventually like people stop messing with me, right um but I think like if you look at my whole life in general of uh, you know a this doctor telling me fat lose way to die to the guy in the SAG vehicle that's like, "Hey, big man, get in the, in the car." Um, I'm able to now channel that for like athletic performance. So I think of myself as Michael Jordan. So if you ever watch like Michael Jordan's Hall of Fame speech, like he got a whole list of like people who have done him wrong, and he, he and he's like thanking them. And I think for me, it's the same thing. Is that um. Now with sport, like I can go into that in that chest of people calling me negative things. And now I can use that as fuel for fire or a workout or, you know, to help me get going. Then, you know, using those things to like make me feel down about myself.
1: Channeling that uh, pain into purpose and ch- and like tapping into that. To that anger, right? And being able to use that as fuel to better yourself. I love it. Well, Martinez, this has been awesome. You have a great story, great message. I think people are really going to enjoy listening to this. They're going to want to pre order your book that comes out in, in June, right? So, where's the best place to connect with you? Where's the best place to to buy the book if they want to check it out?
0: Absolutely. You can find me on all things the internet at 300 pounds and running, 300 spell out pounds and running. Um, if you're interested in running, uh, we also have a uh, we have a relatively small running community called the Slow F Run Club. We have about 10,000 members worldwide where we provide um, information, motivation and education for individuals uh, who might be running, but they might be intimidated. You can find that at slowyfrunclub.com. dot com. And then we also have a book coming out called Slow F Run Club, the ultimate guide for anybody who wants to run. And that's available anywhere books are sold amazon Barnes and noble any and everywhere books are sold and that's
1: out on june 6th amazing well thanks again man for coming on i'll make sure to include the links to that stuff in the show notes and for those listening what i invite you to do is to share a takeaway maybe it was something that Martinez said about his story maybe it was something that he said about his journey with running maybe it was something he said about his childhood or turning pain into purpose or maybe it was some of the the wisdom that he shared around like what kept him going and what kept him like improving along the way in his journey whatever the takeaway was make sure to tag myself and tag martinez because we'd love to hear your feedback we once again thank you for listening to this episode of the adversity advantage i'm your host doug bobst and we'll see you next time